Hi, I'm Maria Stolger, and I can't quite believe it, but this is episode 100 of Talking with Painters. When I started this podcast in 2016 with my little Roland recorder, no knowledge of audio recording, let alone how to start a podcast, I never imagined that four years later I would have interviewed close to 100 artists as well as curators and authors and that I would have a YouTube channel with over 100 videos of those artists taken with my iPhone. It's been personally a great experience and I'd like to thank every one of my guests for their time and generosity in helping me make this podcast happen. In particular, Frances Jarko, who was my teacher at Julian Ashen Art School, who agreed to the very first episode. It's also been a privilege to get to know so many of you listeners, either through messages, comments on social media, or even meeting you in person. But even if I haven't heard from you or met you, you are the reason I keep doing this show. So thank you so much for listening. And there's no better place to celebrate the centenary episode than my happy place, the Art Gallery of New South Wales, where about a quarter of my podcast guests are finalists in the Archibald Wynn and Sulman Prizes, with 26 paintings hanging on those walls. And in this episode, I'll be taking you through each of those works. So a big thank you to the people who make decisions at the Art Gallery of New South Wales for allowing me into the gallery to film and speak in front of these works. So this is not just an audio episode, but also a video. And the video is a shortened version of this audio tour, whereas the podcast episode goes a bit more in depth about each painting and the artist. And you can use it as a kind of audio guide if you're at the Art Gallery of New South Wales, or else just listen to it um, as an episode. And you can see the works on the website talkingwithpainters.com. To get to the video, you can click the link on your podcast app or go to episode 100 on the website or just go straight to my YouTube channel by searching Talking With Painters on YouTube. Also in the show notes, I've marked the time at which each painting is talked about so you can always skip back or forward and just click on the artist's name if you'd like to go to their podcast interview and video and that will be on their page on the website. I'm also very excited that a few of the finalists I'll be talking about today will be coming up next year on the show, including the winner of the Archibald Prize, Vincent Namajira, who'll be in Sydney early next year. But before I start, I'd also like to celebrate the news that Victoria is opening up again after so many weeks of lockdown. Thank you so much for seeing it through for the rest of us. Hopefully we can travel between our states again soon too. I can't wait to visit Victoria again. So let's start off with the Sulman Prize, which is a prize for subject, genre or mural painting. And we're going to start off in the very first room on the left wall with a wonderful painting by Joanna Braithwaite. And this brilliant painting by Joanna Braithwaite, it is called Hoopla and it is from her recent body of work, which is all these animals, like a combination of birds, fish, lizards, and they're all in this parade and morphing into musical instruments. And she got this idea of juxtaposing all these animals when she was at the Galapagos Islands and saw all these species all together in one place. And the thing with Joanna's work is that there's always this element of fun to it and humour, although sometimes they can be quite poignant as well. And she's just a brilliant artist. I'm just jumping in here in case you're listening to this at the gallery. The next painting is in the next room and is on the right wall as soon as you walk in. Coming around the corner here, we've got Alan Jones. 
with this brilliant painting called Painting 266 Mike Kenny Oval. And this is from a series of paintings based on his growing up in Cherrybrook in Sydney. And he actually trained on this oval as a child. And these floating heads that you can see in the painting, it's basically him taking note of who he is, where he's been, and getting away from a literal figure. And as you can see, there are these thick strips of paint making up these heads and he uses a corking gun to get that effect and he actually showed me that in his studio which was just amazing. And also another interesting thing about um, Alan's process is that these shapes in the, in the painting are actually pieces of wood that are put together like a jigsaw and uh, which, which adds an other element to the whole painting. And to the right of Alan's work is a magnificent work by Catherine Hattam and it is called History and Fiction and in recent years she's been painting works with reference to colonial times which is, is the case with this painting as well. Uh, these beautiful bright pink colour orange and green uh, which Catherine is well known for using. She's also got the Hokusai wave in there which has cropped up in a, in a lot of her works. It's also not unusual for her to be inspired by books she's read and the books themselves often make their way into the painting as they are, as, as you can see, um, she's got the names of books there. Often she actually has the spine of the actual book collaged onto the work. Uh, she also work, uses text a lot in her, in her work and most recently she used a lot of text in her show at Art House Gallery. And to the right of Catherine's painting, we've got an amazing work by Paul Ryan. Um, these three young men, and uh, they're called three, it's, the work's called Three Imaginary Boys. And although, you know, there's a great deal of bravado with these characters, if you read the accompanying text, you'll see that it's actually sort of referring to disconnection with, with society. These, these guys are unemployed, turning to drugs and... and not a clear path out uh, and Paul's been interested in this for, for a while it's not usually a theme that he's you know uh, painted about and I think it, these, this body of work is amazing. Uh, in my video uh, of Paul in his studio you'll see that he actually painted these young men in the style of Caravaggio's David with the head of Goliath so there's an element of, of violence in, in those works in, and in this subject matter as well. And Paul uses such wonderful colours and this thick application of paint is just so luscious and suited to this work. And to the right of Paul's work is a magnificent work of Abdul Abdullah and it's called We Didn't Start the Fire and it's a reference to a Billy Joel song and the blame game that goes on when society's problems are perpetuated through the generations. And Abdul's very known for his political commentary and social commentary in his work. And he's been painting these works for a while now with a beautiful representational realist uh, background. In this case, you've got this turbulent sea and then over the top, he'll bring a spray painted graphic figure uh, which you know has you questioning what it's all about and and often you know i'm sure most people are drawn to the uh, caption on the side of the painting and in this case it's very very effective and apart from this brilliant work he's also got a work in the archibald which we'll be seeing a little later on 
If you're at the gallery, just turn to your right and behind you to see the next painting by Marikit Santiago. And this is the winner of the Sulman. It's a work by Marikit Santiago called The Divine. Uh, it's a portrait of her three children, an absolutely beautiful work. And it was the first work she had done after the birth of her third child. It took her about three months to paint. And what I find really interesting about this work is this, these, these blocks of white that are on the children because it's a real contrast to the realist nature of the work. The other contrast is that Marikit's kids actually collaborated with this and some of the pen and paint markings in the background are actually made by her children. Uh, she often paints about motherhood and family and last year she, she, uh, her mother was the central figure in the painting and what I loved about that was that it was painted on found cardboard, literally like the cardboard that cardboard boxes are made from. It was very amazing. I'm going to continue on to the wind paintings now in the next room, but if you have time, make sure you take in the other works in the Sulman. They're fantastic. And the first painting that we see in the Wynn collection from the podcast guests is on your right as you come into the room and it is this magnificent work by Aida Tomescu. And there are two really interesting things to talk about when we talk about Aida and that is colour and texture. And it was very interesting when I spoke to her about colour and how she was saying that when you see a red in her paintings, it is going to be a combination of a lot of different colours, a whole lot of different reds, even blues and yellows. And she talks about building the painting up um, through excavation and that the texture is actually just a byproduct of the process itself. It's not something that she's aiming for. And I think many of us look at Aida's work and are marveling at the texture of the work, but it's actually not deliberately planned like that. It is something that evolves from her searching for, as she says, the content of the work. And also another thing that's very important to her is the, are these unpainted areas where the linen is, can show through the painting. And she finds that is, is almost as important or if not more important than the painted areas. The next work I'll be talking about is an exquisite shiny sculpture by Del Catherine Barton, which you'll see as soon as you walk into the next room. Now the Wynn Prize is also a prize for figure sculpture and we've got an amazing work here by Del Catherine Barton which is bronze, very, very um, reflective surface and it is called I Take It Down to the Flow. We didn't talk about sculpture in the podcast but Del is known for highly coloured detailed paintings which is a bit of a contrast to this sleek, highly reflective bronze sculpture on this painted plinth. And the flow that she talks about here is that which we often talk about in the podcast, that zone of creativity which most artists strive to achieve. And um, it is very similar to the figures that appear in her paintings. So it's like a 3D version of those characters. And if you look into the reflection on this sculpture, you're going to see uh, a reflection of the painting of the next podcast guest I wanted to talk about, and that is Tim Storia. This work is called The Plague Year, an Itinerance Repose. And in true Storia style, Tim says that if he has to explain the work, that it means it has failed. But I can explain it to you because we talked about it on the podcast. And essentially it's about death. 
and all the chaos that's left behind by the person that's not there anymore. Tim's more interested in the detritus that people leave behind more than the person themselves. And it's a very interesting body of work that he's produced of these abandoned uh, pieces of furniture in the landscape. And this is a great example of his beautiful treatment of clouds and also the fire that is burning out uh, in the landscape. The next work I'm going to talk about is to your left next to Tim Story's work and it's by Natasha Bieniek. And it is an absolutely superb painting called Lala, which is, deals with the relationship between people and nature in an urban context. I've always been amazed by Natasha's work. She builds up these paintings through layers and layers of paint with tiny brushes. I believe it's 20 zero brushes. She started painting using pins, but abandoned that after a while. But these works are highly detailed and just incredible. And one of the things that Natasha is really concerned with is this idea of push and pull. So you can see in this painting, it is very successful that she has brought some of the elements of the painting forward and those mountains in the background have just recede right back. And to the left of Natasha's work, you see on the other wall, there is this magnificent work by Luke Skaberis and it's called White Christmas Bell, New South Wales. And it's a scene after a bushfire. But rather than that charred black remains that you would expect to see, he evokes an ashen landscape. So it's a very high key work, not dark as, as you would expect. And I think by doing that, Luke has almost given us permission to see the beauty in this landscape where we will ordinarily just see destruction and misery. And of course, the colours you see behind me are not predominantly white. He is a master at colour. You can see there are beautiful shades of lilac and orange and blue and red, and it is just a beautifully composed work. Uh, Luke's studio is in Hill End, and I visited him last year. And there's a video on my YouTube channel talking with him in his studio, which was this amazing old stone church built in the 19th century. So if you haven't checked it out, it's worth having a look. And to the left of Luke's work, you'll see another amazing landscape by Lucy Cullerton. It's called Ganingra Bottom Bullock, and it, that's the name of the paddock on a property of Charlie Maslin, who she has painted for the Archibald this year, and you can see his portrait in the other room. Lucy's often painted this countryside. She lives in this area in the Monaro, and she's been hung in the wind before with a beautiful painting depicting this area. When I interviewed Lucy, it was very interesting because she was saying how she's a look and put artist. And she was mentioning to me that when she paints the landscape, she makes sure she puts the shadows in early in the day because as the sun moves, the, sh the shadows change and then it becomes more difficult. And to the left of Lucy's painting is the winner of the Win Prize by Hubert Pararulcha. And it is called Jericha, West Macdonald Ranges, Northern Territory. Hubert is an indigenous artist. He's a Western Aranda man. His father, Ruben Parulja, was an acclaimed artist himself and introduced him to the area and he's painted it over many years. 
And what's interesting about this painting is that it relates to a story that in the distant past giant caterpillars roamed in this area and they ended up becoming these rangers. And as you can see, you can see the forms that are repeated in this work that are uh, in the tree and in the mountain ranges. And the repetition of those forms really unifies the painting and gives it an amazing rhythm. If you come into the next room of the Wynn, uh, you will find on your left a magnificent painting of Guy Maestri, who is going to be on the podcast next year. And Guy has, is also a portraitist. He's got a portrait in the Archibald this year. And this painting is called The Rain Song. And I haven't spoken to him yet, but I see from his Instagram page that he paints these large paintings, usually plein air in the landscape, although I noticed that he mentioned for this work that it's the first he's ever painted from memory, so it could be a studio painting. But it is huge. This one's almost two metres by two, almost two and a half metres. And the subject of the work is an old cactus garden, which has been abandoned. And as you can see, he is, has a masterful brush stroke. He must use his whole body when he, when he makes these marks uh, because they are large and luscious use of paint. And what I find interesting about this painting is that you get this sense of abandonment uh, of this cactus garden that isn't tended anymore, uh, but there's such beauty in it as well. Well, that's the last of the podcast guest's wind paintings, but it's worth checking out the other works, and in particular, the winner of the Watercolour Prize by Julianne Ross Alcorn, a beautiful, huge triptych next to Natasha Bieniak's painting, and also the winner of the Roberts Family Prize, Nunmiti Burton, which is the stunning work on the wall to the right of the Maestri work. Now going on to the Archibald Prize, the first painting I'll be talking about is in the next room and it's on your right as you enter the room and it's a portrait by D. Smart called I'm Here. And as you come in from the Win Prize, you'll see on your right hand side a very powerful self-portrait by D. Smart. And Dee uh, is a well-known actor and became a painter a few years ago and this is her third time as an Archibald finalist. This is a very open and honest portrait by Dee. It deals with her diagnosis of cancer and um, her subsequent treatment with chemotherapy, which is she's been very open about publicly. She talked about it on Instagram. She's generally a very open person. On the podcast, she talked about her struggle with postnatal depression and by her doing those things and being open in that way, she has helped so many people. She has this amazing life force about her and a great sense of humour as well. And as you, you, if you look closely at this work, it's beautifully painted, but I particularly love the way she's painted the eyes. And I noticed that in the portraits of her exhibition at um, Nanda Hobbs last year, where she was doing Tudor portraits. They were incredibly moving and she's just repeated that beautifully here. And I think there's such power in this painting because it's so open and real. I'm now going into the central room in the gallery where I'm going to talk about the painting of Mark Etherington, which is in the centre of the right-hand wall. 
It's called Sleeping Beauty and it's the portrait of his art dealer, Michael Reed, as a zombie. And if you know Mark's work at all, you will not be surprised that he has done this. His art comes from his wonderful imagination and it ranges from the hilarious to the nostalgic and I absolutely love it. And as you can see, he's incorporated sculptures in this work. And this actually started last year with his um, Archibald painting of Idris Murphy, uh, where he had Idris Murphy's all around the frame of his work. And this time he's got zombie Michael Reed's around the, his work and it works absolutely brilliantly. And Mark um, really spends a lot of time with woodwork and carving uh, because he finds it's a great alternative to painting and, and he can come back to his painting reinvigorated. And if we turn around, we'll come to the winner of the Archibald Prize by Vincent Namajira, an absolutely brilliant work called Stand Strong for Who You Are. It's a self-portrait with Adam Goods, who famously stood up against racial abuse in this country and uh, is the subject of a documentary called The Final Quarter, which dealt with those events. And it was actually after Vincent um, saw that documentary that he reconnected with Adam um, and decided to paint the portrait of him because it actually reminded him of his own childhood and the experiences he had suffered with racism. And as you can see, the painting incorporates images of camaraderie, uh, but also anger and defiance and that iconic image of goods pointing to his skin. And this painting really taps into the Black Lives Matter movement, which is sweeping the world in 2020. And to the right of Vincent's painting is an excellent work by Black Douglas, and it's called Writing in the Sand, and it is a portrait of Duan Husan, who's a 12-year-old Aboriginal boy and the youngest person to ever speak in front of the Human Rights Council at the UN. He spoke out about juvenile incarceration in Australia and he's also subject of a documentary called In My Blood It Runs. And as you can see with this work, it's got Black's characteristic seven bands, which represent the Seven Sisters story in Aboriginal culture. And in this work, he's actually included writing, which is quotes from Duan. And like his previous Archibald paintings, it's large, it's two and a half metres by two and a half metres, and it is, um, it is a head only, and it's got that dark line around the head which delineates it from the background, and it really jumps out, and I think this is one of Black's most successful portraits. And next to Black Douglas's work is Abdul Abdullah's self-portrait. It's untitled, and it is again has that realist painting in the background with a spray painted linear image over the top. Now usually with a portrait the eyes are like one of the most important parts of a portrait but in this in this case it's the mouth that is saying everything. It is expressing grit, determination and even anger and mouths can be quite difficult to paint but he has done an absolutely excellent job. And as far as the obliterating the top part of the original painting goes, um, Abdul said, there's something cathartic and self-affirming about constructing something only to destroy it. So I think he had a bit of fun blacking out that top half of the painting. To see the next painting I talk about, turn to your right to the painting on the wall on the right-hand corner of the room. 
And this beautiful, tender portrait of William McKinnon is of his wife, Sunshine, and their baby, Lucky, and she is breastfeeding him. It is an absolutely beautiful work. Um, and it is actually a collage as well. If you go up close, you'll see that some of the canvas is stuck on as well. Will is probably best known for his landscapes, although he has also been in the Archibald before. Um, and he calls his landscapes psychological landscapes. And I recently spoke with him and his, uh, uh, there's an interview on the podcast uh, if you want to have a listen and also a video on the YouTube channel. And he talked about the importance of having parts of the canvas unpainted. As you can see, he has left parts in this painting unpainted. Um, and he sort of was talking about how important that aspect of it is to his work. We're now going to double back to the room we just left. And as you walk back in, you will see ahead of you a portrait by Jonathan Dalton. It's of Angela Tiatia and it is called Angela. Jonathan's a fourth time Archibald finalist and all the previous three paintings have had the subject seated on a couch or chair with the subjects looking straight at the viewer and that really adds an intensity to the work. He puts a lot of thought into the composition and many of the objects are symbolic and in this painting, the spilt water and flour refers to the bushfires which were raging when he was painting it. The, his paintings usually have a limited palette. He's also well known for his still life paintings, which often have some ironic message or little figures in them, and they're always intriguing. To the right of Jonathan Dalton's painting is a beautiful work called Nairi by Nick Stathopoulos. And as is always the case with Nick, as you get closer and closer, more and more is revealed. Um, each eyelash uh, and the eyeshadow on the eyes, it's just amazing. And he's an absolute master in this hyper-realistic technique. Um, a couple of years ago, I had a 15-minute chat with Nick in, in his kitchen at home, which was absolutely brilliant, and it's on my YouTube channel. And it's worth having a look because he shows you his process when he's preparing for these portraits, and he does these little thumbnail sketches in his sketchbook. And that's not um, from life, that's just from his imagination as to how the composition is gonna work. And so that's very interesting. And Nick is also well known for his hyper-realistic paintings of toys, uh, like Astro Boy which really suit his technique. Sensational painter. The next painting is in the next room on the left and it's by Wendy Sharp. This is a great painting by Wendy Sharp and I recently spoke to her on the podcast where we talk at length about this work and it's actually on video as well where she shows me some uh, painting sketches she did in preparation for this work. So that's on the YouTube channel, episode 99 of the podcast. And um, this work of Magda Zubansky is called Magda Zubansky Comedy and Tragedy. In the video where I speak with Wendy, she talks about how Magda's favourite painting gave her direction for this work, which expresses trauma, the complexity of life, and in a way juxtaposes the public and private life. The next painting I talk about is on the wall to the right of Wendy's portrait, and it's by Peter Wegner. Peter Wegner is going to be coming up on the podcast next year and this is a magnificent painting of Graham Doyle who he has painted over a hundred times. They met in 1982 at art school and he has been painting him for many years since. 
I'm going to be very interested to talk to Peter about the advantages of painting the same person over and over again and I'm sure you can get into the painting much quicker when you've painted the same face many times. This painting has been influenced by Hume Ramsey's work, Self Portrait in White Jacket and um, that white jacket is absolutely beautifully painted and it's interesting if you want to go up close and see that you know as is often with white things in painting they're not white at all it's interesting to see all the different colors that you can find in that jacket the next three paintings i'm going to talk about are to the right of peter wegner's portrait starting with the portrait by nicholas harding this portrait by Nicholas Harding is of David Marr, who he has known for many years. David Marr is a journalist, author and social commentator. Uh, he first sat for him in 2011, but there doesn't seem to have been a lot of success in the intervening period because he said there were a lot of failed attempts and destroyed paintings. And what's interesting in the interview I had with Nicholas was that he was saying that one of the most important things in getting a portrait right is giving the visage of the person a sense of consciousness, that there's a mind at work. And with this beautiful impasto paint, he's definitely captured something of the active workings of David Marr's mind. Um, when Nicholas paints portraits in oils, he often will do a gouache or watercolour from life beforehand, which he can refer back to as he paints. And together with his memory, he fills in the gaps. This painting by Louise Hearman is of Barry Jones, who's famous for winning a TV game show in the 60s, but his career spans teaching, writing, broadcasting and politics. And like her beautiful um, Barry Humphreys portrait, which won in 2016, he's emerging from the darkness with a mysterious halo effect around his head and is holding an equally mysterious object which appears to be opalescent and, and it's emanating and reflecting light. And this is what you're going to get from Louise Hearman. Mystery, unanswered questions and a hint of the unknown. She's one of the first artists I interviewed when I started the podcast. She's got a great sense of humour so if you want to laugh just listen to episode three of the podcast. This great portrait is by Lucy Cullerton and it's of Charlie Maslin and if you go into the Win Prize you're going to see his farm as well. It's a great portrait and it's really worthwhile going up close and seeing um, Lucy's application of paint. She is just a wonderful uh, painter, uh, very painterly and interestingly in the podcast we were talking about colours of clouds, that clouds aren't white. Um, and when she does look up at clouds, she's always trying to figure out exactly what colour the cloud is. And I think the clouds she's done in this painting are absolutely brilliant. This is a beautiful painting by Guy Maestri of Jennifer Byrne, who's a journalist and TV presenter. Uh, it's such a contemplative work, a wonderful likeness. And you'll see the looseness of his brush stroke shows such confidence in his work. And if you look closely, you'll see a hint of orange in the shirt, which is reflected into the face and which just is a tiny touch, but adds so much to the painting. I just love this one. That's the last of the paintings of podcast guests in the Archibald, but hopefully you have time to see them all, including the highly commended work by Zaring Hannaford, which is fantastic, and the Packing Room Prize, Self-Portrait by Maine Wyatt, which is also well worth looking at. 
Thanks for joining me for this tour. If you're new to the podcast, you can follow Talking With Painters on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. And of course, you can subscribe on your podcast app. And you can also subscribe to the Talking With Painters YouTube channel. And that is all for free. Next year is the 100th year of the Archibald Prize. So all you portrait painters out there better get started on those paintings. It's going to be a historic exhibition, so worth having a go. And hopefully next year I will also be able to interview entrants to the prize at the loading dock. And you can see the video I made of um, people entering into those prizes this year on my YouTube channel. It was so much fun speaking to people on that day. And I also spoke to Brett Cuthbertson that day, who was the, who is the head packer of those prizes. And a short video with him is also on the YouTube channel. So thanks for listening and hope you can join me for the next episode of Talking with Painters. Mm-hmm.